Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come together. And again, Lord, we thank you that we live in a country where we can come together openly and sing praises and not have to worry about being taken away because of our Christianity. Lord, we don't know how long that'll have continue, but we do thank you that we have it now. We ask that you just bless and anoint this time as we look at your word in your son's name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Last week I thought I might finish the book of Ephesians, but the more I studied this, the more I realized we're going to be finishing it next week. <laughs> so starting with verse 18, we just got done with the armor of God, and Paul saying, stand. Verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So we're going to look at this prayer. Prayer is probably the one thing that most Christians have the hardest time with. I know it's always been one of my hard points. Uh, I can study, I can teach, I can, I can even share the gospel fairly easy. But prayer seems to be, for me, one of the hardest. And I know there are a handful of people that prayer is easy for them, and they find other places very difficult. But here, Paul is saying, pray always. And this is something that's interesting. Prayer is just speaking to God, words directed to God. And sometimes we get people who worry about, what do you say to God? Well, you say whatever you want to say to him. And if we really understand that he's everywhere present and he's with us all the time, prayer should be something that's easy to do. Now, often, I've said it myself, and other people I know have said this, I've heard it quite often, I've tried everything else, I might as well pray. <laughs> you know, and this is kind of a sad thing when we try that because God wants to be involved in every aspect of our life. And I've heard people even go, well, I think this problem's too small for God. You know, this would be something I should be able to handle myself. Well, I have a question for you. If you have ever thought that, what question in your life is going to be too big for God? <laughs> You know, we might think it's a devastating problem, an earth-shattering problem in our life. And God's going to look at it and say, well, that's just a small, easy thing to take care of. You, know, you think about this, you know, we probably have done it with our kids at some point. Our kids are all worked up about something that's a major issue in their life, especially when they were little. Their whole life is falling apart. And you just look at them and say, here, this takes care of it. And they run away happy. God is many more times that to us. He looks at our problems, even if it's a huge major problem, and is a huge major problem, not just thinking that it is, God looks at it and says, it's easy. And he's not going to criticize us for coming to him with the issue. We, we, you have a problem paying your bills, you go, God, I need help paying these bills. God, I don't know what to do in this situation. Guide me and lead me. I don't know what to do for this. Do you realize that when you're hiding in God and just talking to him, how much easier life gets to be? Hopefully you've been there at least once or twice in your life, <laughs> at least once or twice. 
We just hide in him and just say, God, you take care of it. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. It is easy and light. He's he wants to carry our burdens. And Peter will say, he tells us, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. He doesn't say cast some of your cares. He doesn't say cast the big cares. He says cast all your cares on him because he cares for us. You know, what stops him from taking care of our cares? The same thing that stopped us from taking care of some of our kids' cares. They didn't want us to help. You know, did you ever watch your kids go through something knowing that you could help them, knowing that you could give them advice and help them, but they didn't want it? All of us have been there at some point. Because when kids get, especially when kids get to be teenagers and, and in their 20s, they know all the answers and don't need help anymore. Because they can take care of themselves. Yeah. And higher, yes. <laughs> but are we sometimes spiritual teenagers and young, young adults telling God, God, I've got this. I don't need your help. Yeah, I needed your help when I was a baby Christian and, and trying to get things straight. But you know, my life's in, uh, straight. My head's on straight. I can do these all myself now. And God says, okay, let's watch you try to do it yourself. You want to get outside of my protection, outside of my yoke? You can go through and handle all the problems. And then we end up with consequences in our life that are long going because we made bad decisions earlier on. I've, I've in my lifetime, talked to people that, you know, they wanted to say, well, I want to get married to this person. They're not a Christian, and I really think God's telling me to get married to them. I go, don't do it, because God says, don't be unequally yoked. Well, I'm, I know that I can convert them, and they get married, and then wonder why their life is a hell afterwards, and why they drop away from God, because they plan all these things that aren't, aren't for God on Sundays, usually, to start with. And they make a bad decision. Then they come back to you and say, well, how can I get my life straightened out? I go, well, if you'd obeyed God in the first place, you wouldn't have these problems right now, but let's try to figure out how to apply God's word from this point forward. It's always harder to apply God's word to the consequences than it would have been to apply his word at the beginning. God says to be truthful. How many times do we tell a lie and then wonder why we have a consequence to follow when the lie falls apart? And the lies always fall apart at some point. And we just look at this and say, if we obeyed God, we put him in the center of everything up front, it would have worked. Now, granted, it doesn't look like it's going to work when you're in the middle of it. How many times have you were young, been in a situation where a lie just seems like the best answer because you just know you're going to get into major trouble if you tell the truth? And sometimes when you tell the truth, you may still get into trouble, but it's not near as bad as trying to hide it and compounding the problems. And God is saying, I want to be part of all your decisions. God, what should I do? You know, how should I go? And then start listening. You know, how many times do we listen to God when times get hard and we don't hear him because we're so busy focused on the problems and not on his voice? One of the things I'm finding as my hearing gets worse and worse <laughs> is it's harder and harder to hear the small things that I want to hear, usually because of all the clutter around. It just comes in as clutter, too. It doesn't even come in as, as words. It's just noise. And I know many people know that feeling. 
and you're trying to focus on something being said and you just can't. Well, we have that spiritual deafness quite often where the clutter of the world is so noisy to us that we're having trouble hearing God's word and we really have to focus on his word. Bring him always into every situation. Very important for us. Bring him in. Get to know him well enough that we can hear his voice. And I've shared this with, the, with many people. How do we get to know God's voice? We spend time talking with him and listening to him. You know, everybody in this room is probably old enough to remember the days when you picked up a phone not knowing who it was on the phone. You know, nowadays, we know who's on the phone. We've got caller ID on our cell phones, on our home phones. You know, there was a day when we had to pick up those phones not knowing who was on the other end. Now, I don't remember the crank ones. <laughs> I'm not quite that old. <laughs> but usually when that person said one word, if it was somebody you were talking to, you knew who you were talking to very quickly. How do we get to know in God's voice? We spend time talking with him so that when he speaks, we know. Because Satan is a deceiver and will come in a lot of times and try to deceive us with a quiet voice himself. The people that I've shared with, you know, trying to counsel them, you know, don't get married to somebody who's not, not a Christian. They go, well, I'm absolutely sure God's telling me. No, you're, God's not telling you to do this. You're listening to the wrong voice. How often do we listen to the wrong voice in our life? Because we're not spending time bringing God into the situation. When you come to a decision, we should be saying, God, I need help in this decision. And he'll, he's ready to give you that help. He's ready to guide. He's ready to, to work with you. Paul goes on to say, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Now, this is two different types of praying that he's talking about. He's looking at the first one, praying, just talking to God, addressing God. Maybe even singing a hymn to him. Do you ever sing songs of praise to God outside of church? I do lots of times. You know, when I'm having a really hard time, I'll just start singing. You know, which kind of makes people look at me funny sometimes, because I'll be sitting there just you know, singing, singing a scripture song or something, and walking, walking through the prison sometimes I've done this. You know, Christians love it because they'll sing with me, but the rest of the guys kind of look at me like I'm a nut and them if they're singing. In my car, if it's music on, I'll sing. The other one is supplication. Now, supplication is actually giving your request to God. And it comes from the idea of the days when you went before the king, and you were, you were called a supplicant, and you went to the king to get a wrong or a need addressed. If it was a wrong, you're going, king, this person harmed me, I need you to step in and fix the situation, or king, we have this problem. I have this problem in my life, my family has this problem, and I'm asking or begging for your help. That's what this second one means. But we go to God saying, God, this is what I need. Not, not attacking other things and other people, but God, this is my need. Or this is the need of my brother or sister. This is, this is the needs I'm presenting to you. Two types of prayers identified in this, this section. Just talking with God and then giving him requests, entreating him for help. 
And Paul was saying, do this always. In the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance. This word for watching, I want to bring this out. This word for watching is sleepless watching. It's the idea of the soldier behind the enemy lines who's always expecting to be attacked at any moment. And if you've ever met anybody who, who has been behind enemy lines, especially by themselves, usually years and decades later, they're still light sleepers. Uh, we had a youth pastor who used to warn all the leaders, do not let anybody wake him up by touching him because he had spent time as an individual soldier behind the lines and he, would, he slept lightly and he came up ready for battle. So he says, you guys just stand up there and say, wake up. And he goes, I don't have a gun so I can't shoot you, but, but I come up with violence. This is the picture that it's talking about. The person who is watchful. This, we're going to be attacked. I can be attacked at any moment. I need to be ready to pray. I need to be ready to go to God and be watching. We talked last week, being, putting on the armor of God. Why? Because we're in the middle of a battle. We need to be watchful. Because Satan is going to take advantage when we are not paying attention. When we let our guard down, we will be hit with the temptation and fall. We will be hit with the, the desires and, and the failures. It's critical to stay watch, watching for that battle, ready for it. And it says, with all perseverance. Yeah. Perseverance. Hard work, being watchful. Even when you were in the tower, in the fortress, you still watched for the enemy. You didn't go stand at the top of the tower and, and put your head over the tower so, so the enemy could shoot you in the tower. You didn't stand at the window with your face, you know, making faces at the enemy to dare them to, to shoot you through the window. You stayed hidden in the tower. You were aware that you were under attack. We as Christians are under attack constantly. We need to remember we're under attack constantly. If we're living correctly and in Christ, He's taking most of the blows because he is the armor of God. He takes most of the blows and we don't get affected. If we get careless, kind of leave him behind, step outside of the fortress, we take the, we take the blows. I don't know about you, but I really like staying in the fortress. <laughs> it's a lot easier. I've done it both ways. I've been in the middle of a small storm and been beat up, and I've also been in the middle of big storms in Christ and gone through the storm and looked back and said, wow, Where'd all this wreckage come from? What, what's been going on on here? Because God took the storm. And it's very critical for us to keep that in mind. If we are in him, he's our defender. If we are in him, he's our protector. And we need to be persevering. And the reason for it, for all saints. We stay in Christ. We stay in prayer not just for ourselves. You know, we, are, we are flesh and blood. We are human. So we tend to do it more for ourselves than others. But Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love one for another. As Christians, we should be loving one another and, and really lifting up others in prayer. 
There's two people in the scriptures that said it. Paul said it one time. They said, God, I would be willing to go to hell if the rest of the Jews could, would just be saved and, and spend eternity with you. Paul understood hell. He also understood that prayer. But do you see the love he had for his people? God, I'd be willing to suffer. If, if all of them could go, I'd suffer. Do we have that kind of love for one another? We are willing to suffer that somebody else doesn't have to suffer? Most of us don't. Most of us don't have it consistently anyway. And the other one was, was Moses when God said he was going to get rid of all the people and said, God, you've got to get rid of me too then because of the love he had. Our love comes from God. We need to be able to show love one to another. Does that mean we're going to perfectly love one another? Unfortunately, no. Does that mean we get upset when somebody doesn't love us the way we think they should? Probably, probably not a wise idea because Satan will use that real big on you to make you stay away from church, to stay away from other Christians because you might get hurt again. I have a newsflash, you will get hurt again. As you're walking with God, you're going to be hurt many times by people that are Christians or supposedly Christians or even are Christians because they're human. Every one of us knows how much hurt has come your way from inside the church. Sometimes it's well-meaning. Oftentimes it's well-meaning. They give you what they think is the right answer and they come across too harsh because they're not living in love at the time. Sometimes they're speaking to you in love and you just don't want to hear it, so you take it as harshness and, don't, and, and abuse. You know, we need to be careful. We need to show love to even those people that are not being nice to us or being unkind to us, because God's still working on them. You know, I, I love one of the things that Annie says frequently. She goes, you know, sometimes she'll, God will talk to her about, you know, aren't you glad everybody's as perfect as you are? And it comes when she's ready to criticize somebody else, you know, and I love that kind of statement because isn't that really what we're saying? When we're ready to criticize somebody is, well, I'm just perfect, at least in this area, and you're not. We really need to keep in mind, I may not be having problems where they have problems, but I have plenty of problems. Every one of us has plenty of problems. Even though we are saints that can, are walking in God, we have problems. Hopefully, as we walk in God, we are nicer, kinder, more loving to people than the rest of the world. But that expectation sometimes sets us up to feel the pain. You know, I've said this over and over. I have no problem understanding a sinner, a lost person who does bad things. They're just walking in their nature. On the flip side, I have no, no problem with sinners, that, uh, with Christians who do bad things, because unfortunately, they're not walking in their nature, but they're walking in their old man. They're walking on who they used to be that's not been crucified, but they still have that sin nature in their heart that has to be crucified. The problem that we get into so often, we go, well, you know, I'm, I'm with other Christians. Everything should be perfect. Everything should be kind and nice and loving. And we set ourselves up for deep hurt when, when we find out that they're still human. They're human just like us. 
And we need to be careful about that. And that's why we pray for all saints. We lift up all saints. We give their request for all saints. When we're hurt, we pray for them. And I understand being hurt. It's, you know, I've told you all, that's why I walked away from church for a two-year period. I was away from church for a month, and nobody said, nobody bothered to call me. Nobody said, bothered to call, you know, say, we missed you. The next thing you know, it had been two years since I'd been in church. It's my fault. It wasn't their fault. <laughs> Satan used their lack of love or care, but it was still my fault that I res responded the way I did. But you know, we need to be very careful. Because if we have too high an expectation of our fellow brothers and sisters, we can get hurt real easy. And that hurt can drive us away. And we've all met the people on the street. Well, I used to go to church, but somebody did or said or, or wasn't nice to me or said something negative about me, and I don't go to church anymore because I don't want to be hurt. So you're going to hang around lost people who are just as mean. The problem was that they had an expectation that it wouldn't happen. And the sad thing is that it does. Even though it shouldn't, it does. And we need to keep that in mind. We're not a place of perfect people. If it was, I wouldn't be here, because I'm not a perfect person. And I'm pretty sure that none of us would be here if this was a place of perfect people. And yet, we come in with expectation oftentimes that we're walking into a place of perfect people. Nobody's going to say anything bad, bad or hurtful or unkind or mean. Nobody's going to do anything that's hurtful, mean, or unkind. And then we get offended when they do. We need to change our expectation. And then when we are treated the way we think we should be treated, we get to praise God. Hey, that person really is walking in you, God, at least today. Because <laughs> maybe next week they're not. <laughs> so we want to be very careful on that. He goes, and, I, and pray for me, is what Paul is saying, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may speak open, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul is saying, I want to be able to speak, and I want to speak boldly, and this is the freedom to speak open and frankly and straightforward. Now, you got to think about who is Paul talking to at this time? He's in prison. So the people he's talking to are guards and the courts and the rulers. You know, I love it when another place where Paul said, it's wonderful, I've got, a, I've got these people chained to me that I get to talk to. <laughs> yeah. How many people, if they were chained to a guard, would be looking at, oh, how miserable, I can't go find anybody to talk to. And Paul's going, I've got two captive, captive uh, audience here for four hours at a time. They can't go anywhere. <laughs> Can you imagine the gospel you could preach to somebody for four hours? <laughs> Who's chained to you <laughs> and can't go anywhere else? <laughs> If you're just bold enough to do it? How often do we spend time in a situation where we could be bold and talk to somebody about Christ and we're so afraid that they're going to think something that we're strange, that we're odd, that we're crazy, whatever, whatever it is you think that keeps you from talking to them. Now, it's one thing I can understand that to a degree when you're with your family and friends. But when you're at Walmart, standing in line behind somebody you're probably never going to see again, why would you care what they think about you? 
you know, give them the gospel. <laughs> if they think you're a nut, so what? <laughs> we are a nut. <laughs> you know, we are nuts. We believe in something that's hard for people to believe in. From the world's perspective, we are just a bunch of fruitcake nuts. We believe in a God that they can't see. We believe that Jesus died for our sins and he rose again from the dead. Do you realize how strange that is to those who don't have the faith to believe it? You believe in a God that you can't see that is powerful enough to do everything, and he died and he rose again. Right, nobody comes back from the life, so you guys are total nuts. We as Christians kind of forget how the world looks at us at times. So when we share the gospel, we should expect them to think that we're a nut. Unless they respond. So we need to be out there. We need to challenge people. We need to get out and give the gospel. We've shared with you the gospel. We are sinners. We deserve punishment. Jesus died for, for our punishment and rose again and has a gift of salvation for you. It took me, what, 30 seconds to give the gospel out. Now, hopefully when we talk to somebody, we expound upon those a little bit. But if all you had is 30 seconds, how many people do you meet each 30 seconds mm -hmm. that you could just give the gospel to? Maybe even quote the verses. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Even quoting the verses takes less than, less than a minute when you know them. How many times do we fear to share the gospel with people? I've heard people say, well, what if they don't believe the Bible? Doesn't matter. God's word is alive, quick, and powerful. You put it in there and it plants a seed. They may not like hearing it, but it plants a seed. You know how many people I've talked to and when I finally had been the one that led them to the Lord, they go, well, I remember hearing these verses sometime. You know, I remember hearing these at some point in my life. It was in there, bothering them <laughs> at some point in, in time. We need to be bold because we are told to go out and make disciples. Get people saved and make disciples out of them. And Paul's saying, pray for me that I have the boldness to speak straightforward. Well, Paul was pretty bold. <laughs> we get to read in Acts a lot of his messages. <laughs> you know, to stand in front of the king and say, you're, you know, oh king, if you don't repent, you're going to hell. When he's the one making the decision on whether you're going to be alive or dead or punished, is pretty bold. And he's praying and saying, just pray for me that I stay bold. That I continue to this boldness. And then he goes on to say, for I am an ambassador in bonds and therein I speak boldly as I ought to speak. This has a lot of impact when you think about this. What is an ambassador? You know, we throw that term around a lot, but an ambassador is the highest ranking official for, sent from one government to represent that government in another location. Okay? We send ambassadors from the United States to other countries and they represent the United States. They can, they can make minor, minor agreements and stuff. Now they can't make, in the way our structure set up, they can't make an international treaty or something. It has to come back. But they go there with the authority of that country. They live in an embassy. And that embassy is, whatever country they represent, is they live in that country, in that, in that city. 
If you go to Washington, D.C., and you go to Embassy Row, there's, you've got Germany and China and, <laughs> and Korea and all these people all in this long row. And each time you step beyond their gates, you've stepped into a different country for all practical purposes. Their embassy is their country. And they have immunity from laws and all these other things. But we are God's ambassadors. We represent God in this world that's under Satan's control. We speak for him. We, we give the gospel out. And, you know, there's so much about the power that an ambassador has in, in, real, in, the, in the life, but we are his ambassadors. We're to bring people to God. We're to bring them into his property and say, this is, this is your place. Come to him. So for each one of us, when we leave this room, we're bringing God's kingdom into some part of our life where God's rule stands in, in, in those areas. This is the church, is not this building. The people in this church, in this building, are the church. When we walk out that door, we're taking the church of Chloride all over Chloride and Dolan Springs and Kingman, everywhere else that we go. We're bringing the church to people as his ambassadors. And this is what Paul is saying. I am the ambassador. I am going to speak boldly. And I really want to encourage us. We need to learn to speak boldly and learn to share. And you know, to be able to open up these conversations is not too difficult, usually. You know, Used to be, and I, and I used to use this line a lot, where do you think you'll, you'll go when you die? Let them talk to you for a moment or two. Let them tell you what they believe. Listen to them. You hear some really weird stuff sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And you go, well, can I tell you what God says about it? And they just give them the Romans road. Give them John 3.16. The whole gospel message is in John 3.16. And probably everybody here knows it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Gospel. The gospel message. In one verse that almost everybody knows. We need to share with people. Share with them their need for the God. And that he is who they're looking for. Because it is who, God is who they are looking for, whether they know it or not. And if you've been saved, at a, especially at a later time in your life, you know that you found that same thing. You were looking for God in all kinds of different places, and then all of a sudden, you found him. You search for him all places. Some people, some people search for him in religion. They go to church all the time. They read their Bible all the time, but they're not getting to know him. They just want knowledge. Some people do it with drugs and alcohol. Some people do it with all, any number of sins, trying to fill the emptiness in their, in their heart that only God can fill. We need to share people. And then when they finally get there, they're going, oh, <laughs> this is what I was looking for. I found it. It is such a simple thing. You know, in the 70s, there was a, this old this statement, Jesus is the answer. Most people just don't know the questions they're asking. But no matter what the question is, he's the answer. If they're struggling to find themselves, trying to find worth in, the, in this world, Jesus is the answer. And we need to be able to convince people of that and share these things with them. We're going to close in prayer. 
Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come before you. We ask that you, number one, that you make us bold, that you give us the desire to speak boldly and frankly for you. Lord, don't let us fear people because you're the one we're going to answer to in the long run. Lord, give us the boldness, the opportunities to open our mouths and share. Give us the opportunity to just fall more and more in love with you and worship you and pray to you on a minute-by-minute basis if necessary, praying always. And Lord, I just challenge anybody in this room that doesn't know you that they turn to you, that they confess that they're a sinner and know that they are a sinner and that they, they deserve punishment and that only you can give them the, the life they're looking for. And Lord, I challenge those in here that do know you, that we become bold and share the gospel at least with one person each week at the very least. And we just thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.